Welcome to the Women in Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather Kennison, and I am your host as well as the founder of Women in Youth Ministry. Our goal as an organization is to elevate the voices of women in a male-saturated field. While we love to partner with all genders for our podcast, we are currently in a series called Women Teach the Bible. The series is so important because if you ask who a person's favorite preachers, speakers, authors, or podcasters are, often you find that list nominated by men. And while we love y'all, I want to create a space for women to teach so that you can hear the Bible through a different lens. For more, you can follow us on Insta or Twitter at Women in YM, or go to our website, womenandyouthministry.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. This week, our guest is Bethany Dixon. Bethany is one of our moderators of the Women in Youth Ministry Facebook group. She is someone I turn to all the time when I have questions or need feedback. So I'm so excited to have Bethany on this week. Bethany, why don't you go ahead and say hi and just give us the quick intro. Hey guys, um, I am the middle school youth director at Eastminster Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, like Heather said, I'm a moderator for Women in Youth Ministry Facebook group, and I love it. It's one of the highlights of ministry for me, is having this wonderful community of women that I get to serve and serve alongside um, and just get to know and support. It's, it's cool. Yeah. So this is Bethany's first time on our podcast. So there's a tradition we have, which is we want to hear your call story. How did you get involved in ministry? So I'm a pastor's kid. My dad is um, a PCUSA minister, um, has been since before I was born. And I um, have always been in the church. Um, And so when I was I want to say in middle school, we moved. Yeah, no, I was in middle school when we moved. And um, we, we went from like my family being like the normal family to be to my family, like starting to struggle. Mm-hmm. And there was nobody in the church that was my age. And so it was just me and my parents wanted me to have a community of faith. And so they encouraged me to go to other churches and experience their youth groups. And so I started going to United Methodist um, youth group uh, that was across Mm -hmm. the street from my middle school. And I'd walk there after school. (laughs) And then um, when I was in high school, I started going to a uh, church of the brethren um, youth group that met on Fridays. And then I, they had a, camp ministry that had lock-ins once a month at various churches all over our the peninsula I I grew up on the eastern shore of Maryland so it was the Delmarva Peninsula and we just like we went to Delaware we went to Maryland and we just like traveled every month and had a lock-in and that was our youth group that's crazy a lock-in every month that's like every youth pastor's nightmare yeah I don't know how they did it like they are my heroes (laughs) was it like Um, the same group of youth pastors that like put this on every month it was one couple like Brett and Melissa, if you're listening to this, you are my heroes and I don't understand how you did it. And I love you. I'm Um, shook. I mean, most youth pastors are crybabies about their once a year lock-in. They did. And they had like the same couple of leaders. They were just like the whole gang was incredible. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely insane people. Love them. Insane. Um, Love you guys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
but yeah, so I did, I was part of that. And then when I was in, I think my sophomore or junior year, I got involved with a church of God, which is a Pentecostal church. And so I just, I went from like pacifism to like, or I went from UMC Wesleyanism to pacifism to, uh, Pentecostal to, um, there was a Baptist church that I got a tiny little bit involved, like non-denom Baptist, you know how those work, um, church that I got a little bit involved with in high or in my senior year. And I, as like, every time I started going to another one, I didn't give up the last youth group. So like by the end of my senior year, I was involved in like five or six different churches, um, which is a problem. It's a yeah. problem, you guys. That's a little I, bit of a problem. I get mad when my kids like go down the road to the one church, but yeah, it was it was a lot. <laughs> um, but um, it, it it led me to experience all of this different um, th- these different ways of experiencing Jesus, which is really cool and really instrumental. And so, in my senior year, summer between junior and senior year, I was at the Pentecostal youth group praying during our worship service. And um, I was like preparing to go into graphic design. And um, I just was having a really hard time being at peace with that. I just, it didn't feel right. And so I was praying like, God, tell me what you want me to do. Just tell Mm -hmm. me what you want me to do. And um, it was just like a meditative prayer over and I was like sitting in the corner, um, just praying over and over and over again, over and over again, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. And when I stopped and just took a second to breathe, the only thing that came up in my head was youth ministry. Mm. And um, I'm not saying I heard the voice of God, but like, (laughs) it just kind of hit. And so I like jumped up and ran over to the sound booth where one of my favorite leaders was serving and was like, I think God just told me to go to into youth ministry. And um, it was just like this weird, like, it's kind of like a surreal moment now. And um, he was just like, that's cool. And kind of left it at that. And then when I talked to the youth pastor, um, he started, like, he asked me to be the student who, like, invited people to um, participate in offering. So like I introduced the offering and t- read like a little Devo and had that go around. And then I started a see you at the poll, um, weekly Bible reading at my high school. And, um, just all of that happens. And then when I went into college, um, I was going to go to one school and I was obsessed with it. And then, um, everything went wrong. (laughs) Um, We didn't have money to send me. I tried to like figure out if I could get scholarships and they were like, here's your new admissions counselor who's going to help you transfer in. And um, so my mom encouraged me to reach out to the other school I had applied to. And um, they were like, oh my gosh, let's get you here. And they gave me basically like half off in scholarships and made it so it was Mm -hmm. affordable. And that school was Eastern University. And they um, had a youth ministry department and a youth ministry degree and so like the rest is history I got involved at an Episcopal church up there and um met your husband on like the first day of school yeah yeah I did (laughs) um I did do that um and classic preachers kid yeah yeah and like it was just it was a whole thing but it worked out and here I am um I'm on my third youth ministry job um 
doing what I love. And like, this is, I'm working with middle schoolers now, which has always been my dream. When I was in seventh grade, I told my mom I wanted to be a seventh grade math teacher and she laughed in my face. And now I'm like, hey mom, guess what? I'm teaching seventh graders about Jesus. Um, You're teaching them Jesus math. Exactly. Two plus two like, equals you fish. Know, <laughs> right. Like how can a fish pay the taxes? And you know, you know, how many lamps of oil? And, mm-hmm. I don't know. Jesus math. Jesus math. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Uh, and pizza math, right? Pizza math. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. It's it's funny, like how I don't know, just so many different obstacles were in your way, like as you were trying to seek out what God was calling you to do, but how they ultimately worked out for your good and for the good of what you were being called to do. And now you're in your dream job, which is super exciting. And you've only been there like two seconds. So oh, yeah. this is a month and two weeks in, like brand new. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's really great that you're living out what you're called to do. And um, yeah, I'm just excited for you as you move forward. Well, thank you. So we're in this series right now called Women Teach the Bible. And the point of this series is to teach the Bible from perhaps a fresh perspective. So many of the authors, podcasters, bloggers, speakers, writers, um, pastors, preachers that we listen to are of the same type of voice, uh, male, usually white. And we are trying to mix it up a little and put out some voices um, that are different, female uh, in particular, to share the Bible from our perspective. And you have chosen the story of the woman at the well. And before we have you tell the story, I'm just curious, why did you choose this story? I love this story. Um, I identify a little bit with the woman in the well because I grew up in a small town. And I just like the way the story has been told to me is um, this is a small town and this woman, you know, she uh, is dealing with small town issues and Jesus comes in and he flips her life upside down um, and how cool that was and um, the power that she had in her small town, thanks to not the power, but the like influence she had in her small town, thanks to interacting with Jesus is just Mm. so powerful. And, um, I just, every time I hear it, I, especially when I hear it taught by white men, I get a little angry because I feel like they are judging her rather than Mm. trying to get to know her. And so, um, I like to, it's one of my favorite stories to teach because it's a story that can be heard from a different perspective and often isn't. Hmm. All right. So let's go ahead and have you tell this story from your own perspective. Yeah. So this story takes place in John four. Um, it's um, one of the, so Jesus is leaving um Judea and he's heading back to Galilee and Judea is um 
in order to get from Judea to Galilee, you can either walk through Samaria or walk around it. And some of the background behind this is like the Samaritans were like, they, they were like the hybrids, I guess, is they, um, some of them, they, they were like, we believe in Abraham. We believe like we're, we're Jewish. And the Jewish people were like, no, you are half-breeds. You are the um, half-bloods. You, you, you ended up with the Babylonians and interbred with them. And guess what? We don't like you. And so the Jewish or the Israel, Israelites were like, no, you guys aren't as good as us and look down on them. And so there's a lot of animosity between the two people. And um, I'm like picturing like Harry Potter, you know, like, yeah, that's like, oh yeah. If you've got the, (laughs) um, the Israelites and you've got the Gentiles, these are the, they're the mix in between. Right. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. It's great. It's one of my favorite ways of teaching it to middle schoolers. Uh, like, just think about the Harry Samaritans Potter. were Harry Potter. <laughs> um, the Jewish people were Malfoy. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. So, but yeah. Um, so, the, like, a lot of Jews would walk around Samaria. Samaria. That, like that was it was such a big deal of how much they hated them, not hated, but disliked them. Is that they would straight up add days to their journey to walk around it and so Jesus didn't he walked through Samaria and um, Jesus was a Jewish man he was a Jewish teacher and so um, the interaction he has with this woman is shocking culturally Um, and so Jesus goes there. He actually goes to a well that was um, on, like, it was Jacob's well, like Jacob, Old Testament, founder of um, their nation, faith, like Israel, um, his well. And Jesus goes there and it's about noon, which noon back then in the Middle East, still today in the Middle East is hot hot, hot, hot. And um, you don't want to be outside in the heat of the day at noon. And um, when Jesus is there, he comes across a Samaritan woman. And um, this woman is there to draw water. People don't normally draw water in the heat of the day, because it's hard work, you're pulling up a bucket full of water. And um, So there's a reason she's there and scripture doesn't tell us what it is. I like to think that it's because she's avoiding people. Um, And I think a lot of people tend to think it's because she's avoiding people. And so Jesus's disciples went into the city to buy food um, because they got to eat. They've been traveling. And um, so Jesus is there alone with this woman, which is shocking. Rabbis are not supposed to be alone with women um it's very scandalous and um what's even more scandalous is that Jesus talks to her (laughs) and he demands a drink from her he just he's like give me a drink of water um and um she's kind of taken aback by this not necessarily because um he's demanding something from her but more of like 
how, how are you a Jewish man talking, first of all, mm. talking to me, a Samaritan woman, but how are you also asking me for a drink of water? Um, right. Because like Jews don't share things with Samaritans. Like that's, and, and the scripture straight up says Jews don't share things in common with Samaritans. Like they don't share. And so like, this is monumental that Jesus is speaking to this woman is alone with this woman and is asking to share something with this woman. And, mm. um, he gives her an answer that's like, you know, if you knew who I was and the gift of God, you would have said, instead of asking me who is asking you for this, or why are you asking for this drink you, and who it is, you would have said, give me living water. And, mm. um, she looks at him and she's like, my dude, you don't have a bucket. The well's deep. What, where's this water that's this living water that you're talking about? Where does this come from? And um, she goes on a little bit to talk about like who this well is from and some of the stuff that comes from it. And Jesus tells her that everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty because it's water and we get thirsty. And but those who drink of the water I give them aren't going to be thirsty anymore. The, the people, like I have a, an eternal water that's, um, a, it's gushes up for internal life. And this woman who is there getting water in the heat of the day um, because she's avoiding people says, give me this water so I might never be thirsty again. So I don't have to keep coming here. So I don't have to mm. keep coming to this place. Um, one of the things I didn't mention is like the wells were like a gathering place for the women. Like that's where they went and they talked and they like, they were grabbing their water and they like, that's where they gossiped. And mm. so she is, she said like, give me this place where I don't have to be judged. Give me this water. So I don't have to come back here. I don't have to come during the heat of the day so where when it's hot and this is even more of a chore I don't have to come when there are other women here who are judging me and who who are hurting me give me this water so I can be free of this and um Jesus says go and call your husband and come back and she's like I don't have a husband like I don't know what you're talking about I don't have a husband and Jesus like calls her out and he's like that's right you don't have a husband you've had five husbands and the guy you're living with now is not your husband and some people like to teach this of like oh man she's you know she's divorced people she's scandalous like she's just like a little Jezebel and it's not like women didn't have the right to ask for a divorce right and so she had been divorced by her husband and we don't know why. Um, I tend to lean more towards the um, tradition that people, like she was barren mm. and she wasn't able to give her husband's children. And so they divorced her for someone who could. Right. And um, that's nowhere in scripture. That's, that's just something that I've heard brought to the text and I love it. Um, and so the man she's not currently living with might not be a man that she's having sex with it might be her, a brother or her father. Mm -hmm. She can't take, like, she can't provide for herself. Like she's not, if, if she's going to provide for herself, she's going to be a prostitute. Um, right. that's the job that women who don't have spouses can have, right. um, at this time. And so she's probably, she's probably living with a family member. 
um, she's been sent back into her father's home, whether that's her father, if he's still alive, or a sibling, or someone who will take care of her. And so, um, so, so he tells, Jesus tells her this stuff of like, you're, you know, he sees her dirty laundry and he calls her out for it. She, he sees the thing that she is most ashamed of and he speaks it, he speaks it into light. Um, and so it's no longer just something shameful in a corner. He, he brings it forward. And um, she says, I see you're a prophet. Um, our ancestors, and so like she's, I, I like to see it as like, she's getting a little sassy here of like, all right, all right, you, you're gonna call this out. All right, you're, you're a prophet. Um, so you're a prophet. I'm gonna ask you a question. Our ancestors think that like this mountain is like our ancestors worshiped here and we think this is a great place to worship but you guys think you can only worship in Jerusalem hmm. and so like what's going on there so she's she's almost like putting up a wall immediately like she's getting defensive of hmm. uh, this is a common this is the difference between Samaritans and Jews like let's put up this big old debate so now we're not talking about me we're talking about this Right. And um, Jesus flips it. He's like, hey, it, the time is coming when it doesn't, it's not going to matter where you worship the father, not on the mountain, not in Jerusalem. It's not going to matter. Um, you don't know what you worship and we, we do. And salvation is from the Jews, which is a little hard to hear sometimes of it's like, all right, Jesus, are you saying that like, she's wrong? Because he mm -hmm. is. But it, it, depending on how you read it, it can be, are you being a little like, I'm, I don't know the word that I'm trying to think of, but like, are you, what are you trying to tell us here, Jesus? Like, what are you trying yeah. to tell her? And um, he goes on to say, that um, the hour is coming that the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth and that God seeks the people who will do that um, and that God is spirit and that um, people who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And then she responds saying, I know that the Messiah is coming. I know that this is this is the truth. This is what is happening. The Messiah will come. So she's having this moment, like he's brought her back in. So she put up this wall and he's saying like, hold up, that, like that's not necessarily true. And he's bringing her back in. And um, so she's saying like, I know that this is true and we agree on this. And when he comes, he's going to tell us everything. He's going to proclaim all of this to us. And we're all going to be out, like, we're all going to know what the truth is. And Jesus says, that's me. I am he. I am the Messiah. Hmm. Um, and then, so like right after he's dropped this bomb on her, the disciples show up and they're like, he's talking to a lady. Like, we know this is scandalous. Like he knows this is scandalous. She knows this is scandalous. And we're catching Jesus in this scandal but no one's gonna tell like say anything because Jesus is their teacher and they know he knows what's best but they're like but so they're not gonna say like what's going on but uh it, it they show up and they kind of interrupt this moment that Jesus and this woman are having 
and she leaves. She leaves her jar at the well and she goes back into the city and she sees people. And instead of being like, she, she's almost been freed from the shame that she's had, like the, when, you know, when you have that, your secrets that you keep in the dark. And now yeah. she's like, Jesus brought them into light and he's told her the truth and she's not necessarily ashamed of them anymore. Mm. And um, so she goes into the city and she's how she starts giving people her testimony. She's saying like, come and see a man who said everything I've ever done. And um, I like, he's saying he's the Messiah, but like, he can't be, can he? So like, come, come help me. And like, as a Enneagram six, I identify with this. Like, y'all, this is going on. And I don't know if I'm like, if what I'm thinking is right. So like someone come confirm it because like, I don't trust myself. <laughs> um, let me get, other people's input in on this and um so they have a whole group of people that come with her to come see him and um the disciples start talking to Jesus they've gone and they've gotten food and they've brought it back and they're like eat something come on Jesus we, we got all this food like you gotta eat and he's like I've got food that you don't know about and they're like then why did we go to like get you food and they're like we know that you didn't have food because we were with you beforehand and we, when we left you you didn't have food that's why we went to go get some and they're like surely nobody else brought you food like who would just randomly give you food and Jesus is like my food is like to do what God wants us to do like that's what nourishes me I don't need this like physical food I need um to do the things that God has sent me to do and to complete the work that he has given me. Um, and he tells a little parable of like, don't you see that? Like you, you say the harvest is coming in four months. And I say, don't you see the harvest is ripe now? And he's not talking about food. Um, he's talking about pe people and he's talking about like the people of God and teaching them and um he goes a little bit more into a, the um like he, he loves these like sower parables and it's a very very short like three verses but he's like the reaper's already receiving wages and this the sower and the reaper are going to rejoice together because one sows one reaps um, and I'm telling you to go, um, get this, like reap the stuff that you didn't labor for. I'm going to, I'm telling you to go, um, enter into their labor with them and bring them in. So do the work with them and bring them in. And he's talking about this woman. He's sown the seeds in this woman and, um, she's going out and she's sowing more seeds and bringing them out. And now he's telling his disciples, all right, here's the test. Like now we're going to reap what we didn't what you didn't sow like this woman sowed and you're going to reap it and you're going to bring them into god and um so all this, the samaritans came in um to see jesus and they believed in him because of this woman's testimony because she said i have seen this man i think he's the messiah he has said everything about me and i am changed because of it and they see that change and they come out and they see him and they're like, yeah, we believe it. And so they come to him and they ask him to stay with them. 
they're like, come stay with us. Like, we know we're Samaritans. We know you're Jewish. We know that this isn't a thing that happens, but we want to learn from you. So come Mm -hmm. and let us learn from you. And so he stays and he stays there for two days. Um, And because of that, more people got to hear from him. More people got to learn from him and Mm -hmm. they, they, they believed. And eventually they say to the woman, like, it's not just because of what you said that we believe we've heard it for ourselves and we've determined like, this is true. You were right. Hmm. And he is the savior of the world. So it's not just you, like we agree. And, but they, they believed because she told them Mm -hmm. and um, then like more happens in chapter four, but that's not my story. So I encourage (laughs) you to read it. So I think like what, um, what really struck me about the story and the way that you told it is, I never really thought before about how the Samaritan woman puts up walls with Jesus. And and it's pretty obvious that she does, but I've never really thought about mm-hmm. it before. Yeah. And she puts him up, he tears them down. And it's at that moment that she's totally in. And you mentioned yeah. the Enneagram. We, I talk about it all the time. <laughs> I'm an eight. And that's such an eight move to be like, mm-hmm. mm, in order for me to be on board, I'm going to need to put some walls up. And if you can mm-hmm. toughen that out, then maybe, just maybe, um, I can invite myself to, to be a part of your story. Maybe then I can trust you. Yeah. And so that's such a, such a classic move of mine to do. So <laughs> I see a woman at the well. Um, but that's what she does. She, mm-hmm. she meets Jesus. She's suspicious. She should be suspicious. Like, why mm-hmm. is this dude talking to her? And she's um, been burned before. Right. She's Several been burned times. so many times before. Yeah. The way that I have more recently heard the story of, of why she has been divorced five times is because she was passed around or yeah mm-hmm. barren um maybe she was maybe she was passed off to like because back then if your husband died mm-hmm. then maybe you'd have to like go to his brother or mm-hmm. you know whoever else in the family and just pass, so she's pass, a black pass, widow pass, pass. yeah like we don't know like we don't know exactly exactly black widow is the term that i i've heard to describe her definitely and so it's people have always thought of this passage as yeah she's shacking up with some dude Mm -hmm. no that's not it that's not it um and that comes from a like place of privilege of being able to like and modern like modern view pushing onto this woman and so people read the story and they're like oh my gosh look at how scandalous like Jesus uses this woman who's so scandalous and does all these awful things and it's like no no she's the victim here well, I think part of it is the phrase, he's told me everything I've ever done, because that mm-hmm. makes it sound like it's her fault. I've never yeah. really liked that phrase. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that's, I would have to do some research. I'm not sure if that's exactly what she said, according to the original text, or if that's how it's yeah. been interpreted. I don't but know. such a confusing sentence. He's told me everything mm-hmm. I've ever done mm-hmm. uh, is, is strange. Um, yeah. I like the versions where it says, he, t- he told me everything about me. Yeah. Like, like he knew, he knew it, he knew it all. Um, Mm -hmm. which is very vulnerable and can produce either running away or trusting. And Mm -hmm. I, I, she chose to, she chose to trust. She wanted to 
fact check him. <laughs> she wanted to validate him. She had to bring her her people to yeah. come check him out. But she ended up becoming a a preacher, an evangelizer. She ended and, up becoming someone who shares his story. Yeah, and that's monumental for it to be a a woman and be a Samaritan woman, right? Um, because. I mean, we know women preach and we know women preached in Jesus's time and after Jesus uh, ascended again. Like we mm-hmm. know, like the first people who preached Jesus's resurrection were women. Yeah. Um, so like we know women preached, but this is one of the first women who like we see in the Bible preaching um, mm-hmm. Jesus's story. This is one of the first women we get to actually see, say, like, this is the Messiah. Mm. And it's a really cool moment. And I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think this might be the first time that Jesus says, I am the Messiah, but I could be off on that. And so I don't want to like say that out there and then get a bunch (laughs) of emails like, uh, Bethany, you're wrong. Uh, it's in this place. Um, but like, I, it's like, coming up in the back of my head like hey hey maybe I think this might have been it and I'm like I don't know y'all he doesn't say it a lot so he doesn't say it a lot he like he only says it a mm-hmm. few times so the and this is chapter said it at four all. this yeah. is chapter four of John like this is early in John and I'm not talking like the first and like all of the mm-hmm. gospels I'm talking about in the, in the gospel of John mm-hmm. um and so like if that's the case it's monumental that he says it to a Samaritan woman. Yeah. Like, this is the first woman he's letting in on the secret. Because she's not Jewish. She's not Jewish and she's right. a woman. Right. And women don't have power. And um, so it's just like, this story is so much, like Jesus is seeing all of the like culture and the cultural and man-made walls and he's ripping them down. Hmm. and he's saying like hey so so he sees that he's not supposed to talk to a woman and he's like screw that I'm gonna talk to a woman he sees that he's not supposed to talk to Samaritans he's not supposed to go through Samaria and he's like no we're gonna we're gonna go through Samaria um and he he continuously sees these things that people say don't do and he's like no that defeats the purpose like we are here to share the good news of God I think it's really interesting that you said she was basically like, give me water so that I won't have to come back here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she abandons her water mm-hmm. to go share about him. And with the people she was avoiding. Right. With the people she was avoiding. So she ultimately got what she wanted, but she also abandoned what she thought she immediately needed. I thought that was really, really interesting. Isn't that so cool that like, yeah. When you abandon it, your desires, you might get what you wanted all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jesus is worth abandoning your desires because you get so much more. Mm-hmm. And you get it in a way that you didn't ever really expect. Hmm. It's just like, this story has so many, it's so multifaceted and I love it so much because every time I read it, I get something more out of it. I don't know if I've ever really heard two sermons that are the same. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why that is. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it's because it is such a powerful story. Hmm. And we can all get something out of it that's different. Hmm. I think that's why it's important for us to share that too, because Can you not hear me? So Bethany, as we wrap up this podcast, you know, we are the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. What would you like to say to the women listening? Maybe it's some encouragement, a point of advice. What, what is your word for the ladies listening today? You are called by God. You are empowered by God. And God desires to see you teach and share his word no matter what the world might tell you god is in your corner and he is lifting you up and he is giving you a voice so use it and use your influence in the lives of your teenagers in the lives of those around you in the lives of like just everyone you come in into contact with to point them back to christ and to point them back to God, because it's so, so important. But also, find someone who will do that for you. And make sure you have someone in your corner that's going to continue to point you back to Christ when, because like, we're all human, and we all go through tough times. And there are times where I've like had to call someone and be like, yo, I need to hear the gospel, because I don't know if I believe it right now. I am just like, I'm done. And so I need you to tell me what it is so that, and get me back on board. Um, And so having those kinds of people in your corner to like, so that you can be that person, but that that they can be that person for you is so, so, so important. I agree. And that's why our community uh, at Women in Youth Ministry is so important. So um, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't gotten connected to our Facebook group, definitely go and look that up. Bethany, it's been so awesome having you on. We're going to make sure to link to your social media in our description box. Thanks everybody for listening and we will see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate us five stars and follow us on Insta or Twitter at Women in YM. If you're a woman listening, we'd love to have you in our Facebook community. Visit womeninyouthministry.com to learn more.